Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Hales. Glad to be bringing you yet another episode of the only show that features your original classical guitar compositions. And we get to hear music from all around the globe, and it's a great thing. It's a good hub to find some new pieces that maybe you've never heard before, and also a place where you know your piece can be aired and heard by other classical guitarists and classical guitar enthusiasts such as yourself. So here we are at the end of the year. It's been a great year for me. I had a really good year this year. I'm also coming to a reality that I'm not very happy about at the same time. When I bought my computer in 2010, so I mean, I guess that's going on 13 years ago, understanding now that, you know, a 13-year-old computer is always going to be just that, a 13-year-old computer. But the computer I own, it was very expensive. I bought it as an investment um, to get a machine that could handle music production. I was doing a lot of things with like sampled music and the sample engine that I use requires quite a bit of power, a lot of memory, and that's all been fine. Um, you know, I've had to upgrade the computer a little bit, which is kind of cool. It's it, it's a Mac Pro, you know, and they are, or at least were, I don't know what they're like now, but you know, they're, they're fairly easy to open and you know, I've, I've gave it a massive memory upgrade like a year and a half ago. And there's further upgrades you can do as well. But Apple has now, they've crossed into a realm. I cannot get my computer to go any farther. It cannot upgrade the operating system anymore. It's as far as it'll ever be able to go. And um, the, you know, music software I use to record not just my podcast, but my guitar pieces and, you know, other music projects I do, Pro Tools. Pro Tools, which, <laughs> that's another one, pay good money for Pro Tools. Uh, they've pretty much forced you into a, it, it, they want everyone on a monthly subscription. But for those of us who bought the program on what they call a perpetual license, you know, we, we own the program in it doesn't matter if you ever stop paying your your fees you, you own it but you have to keep paying a yearly fee to keep your pro tools current and if you ever stop paying that fee you're out they won't let you back in you can't make up for what you didn't you didn't pay you can't opt back in you can't say oh i'm I don't really need to keep my Pro Tools up to date this year, so I don't really want to pay for another year. You can't opt back in. At that point, you will only be able to have Pro Tools as far as you went, and if you want to have any more current versions of Pro Tools, you have to get on a monthly subscription, which is more than the yearly fee just to keep your stuff up to date. So they're doing, then they've done away with those perpetual licenses. You can't get them anymore. That's a thing of the past now. But for those of us that own them, they, they have to honor it to a certain degree. So anyway, I'm paying a yearly fee to keep my Pro Tools subscription up to date. 
but the latest versions of Pro Tools are no longer compatible with this older operating system from Apple and this operating system is as far as this computer will go and here's what bugs me about it the little puke at the Apple store when I bought this computer 12 13 years ago told me this was the last computer I would ever have to buy and I believed him and now I know there's no such thing as the last computer you'll ever have to buy it's not a thing it's a piece of knowledge that it's an unfortunate truth but if you go into the world with this knowledge you're better off so now I arrive at a place where my computer still runs fine for the most part I mean they're they're the dude was kind of right about that like this computer you know it's certainly slower than it used to be but it runs Pro Tools fine it, it does everything I need it to do but I am Pro Tools has made some pretty cool advances recently finally <laughs> and I'm current so I could be using this these awesome new features you know we have them where I uh, at my day job but I can't use them at my house because my computer's too old for it so it's time to buy a new computer and now looking into it to basically run everything I want to run is going to cost me <laughs> it's going to be expensive all this is just to say I'm very displeased with Apple and I'm very displeased with Avid who makes Pro Tools <laughs> For making life harder for everybody and it's like it seems to be accelerated I have a feeling that the next computer is gonna be outdated and after five years not 12 13 I mean honestly this one was you know the the last computer I'd ever have to buy was was already like behind five six years ago and I had to do all those other upgrades just to get it to where it is now and Apple puts out like a new operating system like every month and every time they do you're one step closer to your computer being out of date it's the same thing with your stupid iPhones and everything else anyway it's a little depressing uh, you can take the Microsoft route which these days, really, I mean, isn't that isn't that much cheaper? I I went through um, my friend Parker. See, he uses a a PC for at his house, and you know, we went through uh, pricing out what it would cost to build a PC to be a pretty awesome machine that can run all my stuff. But honestly, it's it's not really much different in price and I've become so accustomed to using the Apple that I, I don't every time I get on a, a Microsoft machine I'm just lost and, and then I get angry and yell and um, so and you it's one or the other I mean do that does anyone else there's there's like not a third option right <laughs> like, I don't really want to give uh, either of these companies another dime but if you're doing music production, you're kind of chained to this technology. And with that annoyance comes also 
budgeting out for a new computer. I'm kind of excited to get a new computer. Okay, looking back over this year too, uh, one of the great things that happened to me this year was the acquisition of Gimli the Corgi. I haven't talked about him for a while, but I'll give you a little Gimli update. He's doing great. He's nearly a year old now. Awesome little dog. I take him hiking on the... So I live, you know, right at the foot of a mountain, basically. Just, you know, I don't know, a two-minute drive to the base of the mountain. And then I, I go hiking up there. And there's there's all these trails. And a lot of people take their dogs. And so I'll have them up there. And you always run into other dog people. And dog people are an interesting bunch. Because you never know what what who you're going to run into like like when you go to the dog park i don't understand these people who take their dog to the dog park and then hover over their dog like it's a like it's a infant that's being swarmed by other dogs you know there there's this one dude he he had this old geezer of a dog that he brought to the dog park and hey that's great um nothing wrong with the dog but then you know when my dog runs up to his dog to say hello, he like guards it, and you know, I'm like, it's like, oh, back away! And I, what? Why are you bringing your dog to the dog park if you don't want him to play with the other dogs, or if you're afraid the other dogs might hurt him? Don't bring him to the. I, I don't understand why you would bring a senior citizen dog to the dog park. And I don't understand these people on the mountain. You know, some people are are fun. You, I'll I'll run into people and the dogs will play, you know, I, I've always kind of taken the approach of, um, I mean, I just, I know what animals are, and dogs might meet each other and have to fight it out for a few seconds, and then they're good, and if you just let them duke it out, establish who's boss, then they get along fine, but some people just get into a tizzy over it. I was up there the other day, and there's this woman walking with a dog, and we're both both our dogs are unleashed, right? So the dogs approach each other and she tells me that her dog <laughs> does not like my dog sniffing her dog's crotch. And <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she doesn't seem to mind. Did <laughs> she, um, I don't remember exactly the exchange of words, but she was not happy and went off in a huff and I'm like this is what dogs do so yeah they, these dog park dog people whatever I think a lot of them <laughs> really want their dogs to be human and have human characteristics and they're just not <laughs> that's that's what they do so anyway it's kind of amusing to me, more than it is annoying. So that's a little of what's going on in my life right now. Also enjoying, you know, a few days off work before we get back. It's always nice to just reflect a little bit, rest, and, um, you know, I've been playing guitar during this little break, and, you know, when, when I can get away from the hustle and bustle of just daily life, you know, I noticed that I was 
enjoying playing the guitar more. I think I was getting a little burnt out. You know, at the end of the year, I came into this uh, little break pretty exhausted, and I was actually starting to struggle, like, to be to feel motivated enough to get up in the morning and practice. Like, it was becoming truly a struggle. And now, just having some rest and, and just sitting down with a little more time and, you know, not really such a rush. I don't know. I I just started enjoying the pieces I was playing more, and I've, I've dug into the repertoire and playing through some other pieces, or excuse me, some older pieces that I've learned before and really enjoying those and just kind of rekindling that love I have for the guitar. Uh, I think part of it too, you know, I finished this piece, took me a long time to write it, and it's not my best work, which is kind of a letdown sometimes. Like, you know, I think I, I grinded through this piece. I will still probably record it. I also need to write a second movement for it, which has not been coming to me. I've been trying, but not with any success. And I think I might step away from this piece and work on something else for a little bit. Sometimes I've done that to great success, and that might be what I have to do. Uh, and then we'll see if taking a step away from this piece, I come back. We'll see if I like it more or less after a break. I don't know. I might come back with a refreshed enough point of view to be able to fix some of the things I don't like about it. But I think it's time to move on to something else with composition, at least temporarily. I also saw this thread on Reddit. Occasionally I get on Reddit and look through things, and I follow like the Classical Guitar channel on there, and I saw this thread about people being annoyed by certain classical guitar pieces, and people are like, oh, I hate it when I go to a recital and I hear Asturias. Everybody kept saying Asturias and Recuerdos by Targa. And there's a few others. And it just made me ask this question. I'm like, why do classical guitarists, or at least these ones, hate great classical guitar pieces? Is it that you're just sick of them? Well, if you're just sick of them, step away from them for a while. But those are great pieces. We've all heard them a thousand times. So I can understand to a certain degree, like, you want to hear something else. But just because you've heard something a lot doesn't mean it's not good. I there was one time I went to um I went to a widespread panic concert. I used to like widespread panic a lot. I kind of kind of lost that. I don't know, whatever it was. Really really dug that band for a while and then I got really burnt out. Part of it was didn't really like the crowd and stuff, but um I remember being at a widespread panic concert and I was in line uh, for the John and this dude behind me was complaining that they had played I think it was the song Wondering he's because they play it all the time and he was bugged and I was like if you go to a concert and you're annoyed the band plays a song <laughs> maybe you've been seeing like maybe you go see this band too often you know maybe you ought to go to less concerts I don't know it's it's a weird thing to me. I've been there myself, where you get burnt out on something. And but but, if you're sick of something, listen to something else. I don't know. All that's to say, I don't get on board with this hating on great classical guitar pieces one bit. 
Now, if I go to a recital and I hear a badly played Asterius or Recuerdos, then I'm maybe kind of with you. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move on to some email and then some music for today. Got something new for you today musically, but we will get to that in a few minutes. So let me read this email from Mike Woods, who we featured in the previous episode. He says, hi, Chris. I finally got around to listening to the podcast. Bravo on a thoroughly enjoyable episode. What a treat to be included in a lineup that also features an in-depth talk about the Villalobos etudes. My overall appreciation is similar to yours, with the etudes 1, 7, 8, and 11 being the highlights. I'll attach some quick ratings below. Thanks for the recording tips. There is a bit of low-end muddiness bothering me about the recordings, so I'll test the method you suggest to see how the results improve. In the Harry Potter books and films, the characters dare not utter the name of the main villain, Lord Voldemort, and instead refer to him as he who must not be named. Hence my, ad <laughs> my admittedly poor attempt at a joke. Overall, I'm mostly admirative of the composer in question. Not everything he does but there are some real gems. Do you know in a landscape? Absolutely lovely. Well, thanks again, and good luck with the plumbing issues. We've got a leak to deal with here. Nothing serious for now, but something that will be if not addressed. Unfortunately, good help is proving hard to find. All the best, Mike. Uh, real quick, before I go through Mike's Villalobos ratings, uh, <laughs> he's talking about John Cage, not... Um, Villalobos. Just <laughs> if you haven't been listening to previous episodes, some of that email may have not made sense. But um, so, Mike, you sent me this John Cage piece called "In a Landscape." I've never heard it. I have to admit, I actually kind of dug it. I also admittedly did not listen to all nine minutes of it, but I played—I don't know—three or four minutes of it. And I was like, yeah, this is not bad. This is musical. And so, okay, fair enough. John Cage is capable of writing some music. But I stand by all my comments because there's just some things I do not accept. Things like, you know, running a blender. Um, and I don't know. I can't remember what he did in that video I watched, but basically making a bunch of noise with kitchen gadgets, the sound of traffic, and of course four minutes straight of silence. I'm not going to accept any of that as music, and I don't want to have a philosophic, philosophical discussion about it with anybody because it's stupid, and it's a waste of time. <laughs> but I really did kind of like that piece. So uh, my, I, I tip my hat to you, sir. Uh, let's see. Now, regarding these Villalobos etudes, I also talked about last time the the thing about number 10 and the, the extra page in one version. I, I read up on that. So, I read Frederick Zagante's preface to his uh, edition of the etudes, which is a really great read. And... The thing about number 10 was, so Villalobos wrote these in the 20s. I don't remember the exact years, but he wrote these for Segovia. And 
but they weren't they ended up not being published until like 1958 and in 1958 he did some revisions and so that extra page the longer version of 10 comes from the earlier one but the one that actually got published didn't have it and it you know it's it's i guess it's accepted that he cut it i still am not convinced i think somehow this page was missed um and reading this it's interesting listening to like his correspondence with publishers and you know i mean things weren't as simple back then pre-internet and it's not inconceivable at all that when the 12 etudes got published a page just flat out got missed and i still i'm going to believe that's what happened until i'm proven otherwise because if villalobos really cut that section why did he leave in the gliss the section prior to the slurs in the commonly published you know in the 1958 published the one that pretty much you're you're going to get if you buy the etudes without getting a special edition that includes the older version there's the opening section and then there's where it hits the fast slurs and when it hits those fast or excuse me right before it hits those fast or fast slurs there's a gliss that goes up to nowhere the gliss goes up and the slur is below the note so why didn't he cut out that gliss i don't think it was intentional i think that and, and also that that page being cut makes no sense musically and I don't picture Villalobos being the type of composer that decides he doesn't need a third of the piece <laughs> I mean the guy wrote in like plenty of like in like the um, Brazilian suite a lot of repeats a lot of you know some of the those go a little extra long I don't he doesn't strike me as a composer who wants to tidy it up and you know <laughs> make it a, a hit for radio or something <laughs> so i just don't buy it however because i because that's what got published i don't know that i'm, I'm not going to go back to 10 at least for a long time to to bring in that extra part i'm going to finish out 11 and 12 and probably put those away for a few years and I feel like I've talked about the Villalobos etudes and Villalobos in general a lot on this show. I'm not really sure how that's come to be, other than I really do like the guy. I find his music really interesting, and even though it's not my favorite, I almost feel like some of it's overrated. It's still, it is very popular guitar repertoire and is worthy of discussion, but maybe it's been covered enough. However, we're going to go through Mike's ratings here. I did ask for this, and I am looking forward to reading these. Also, I did get my leak fixed. Not my leak. I did get my plumbing issues taken care of. I finally got, uh, I had to get my lines jetted. I've got, like, total drainage going on now. Everything's doing well. Uh, we're back to uh, a leak in the roof that I had fixed less than two years ago I mean it's it never ends man it never ends I don't think there's anything more disheartening to me than a leaking roof 
it's not in I, I, my house is not leaking it's not a leak inside the house but what I have is a under the eave in my backyard there's a little patio with a roof and the edge of the roof of the house the water um, goes instead of dripping off the edge it wraps back in and comes out the soffit and this used to be like a massive leak everywhere it started with I when I bought the house I had to put a new roof on it they did um, I later found out by tearing my roof open a little bit that they cut some serious corners and so anyway I've, I've had hired a another roofer to come patch that up and this patch is held up for less than two years now it's only leaking in one spot at least whereas it used to like pour you know and I I replaced all the soffit myself last year which I did after they fixed the roof I'd been waiting till someone could finally fix this roof I'd had several roofers tell me they didn't know how to do it they didn't know what to do about it I mean it's just I don't know if like good help is just hard to find in general I mean as Mike says he's having a hard time finding good help on this leak I don't know what's going on man like it makes me wish I had taken a different career path and I had become a jack-of-all-trades handyman because I actually can do a lot myself but it's like the things I can't do you'd think that the professional could and over and over again professionals keep showing me that they don't uh, have any more ability to do something than me so okay Mike writes my Via Lobos Etudes ratings I've never gotten into two three five and six enough to comment one five out of five great all around as a study and performance fun to play four three and a half out of five I quite like this one though it's indeed difficult to see what's really useful about it it's got this hypnotic quality that I have a soft spot for you know I can see that Mike I can see that it's not my favorite but I, I can see the hypnotic quality to it number seven five out of five challenging great work great for working on scales fun to well on with an electric guitar too eight five out of five probably the most accessible and musical of the etudes a joy to play three out of five or excuse me number nine three out of five not bad but it's hard to really see the point here it's kind of fun also feels unnecessarily long ten four out of five challenging but oh so rewarding <laughs> eleven five out of five so much fun to play and a great arpeggio workout and finally 12, 3 out of 5. I do like this one. It's simple, nothing special, a nice low-key closer. Yeah, uh, a lot of those are similar to my feelings, the one that pops out of me. I, every time I pick up my electric guitar, it's like, it's almost like a, a habit. <laughs> I start playing etude number 7. <laughs> so I totally agree. It is fun to wail on with an electric guitar. Uh, we're in total agreement on 8, very musical. 11, I don't see any huge contrasts to my list here. Uh, yeah, I think you like 4 a little more than I do. and 9, yeah, I think 9. Yeah, I just didn't enjoy 9. I was reading about Segovia's thoughts on these etudes in the Segante edition, and everything in this 
Segovia's got a lot of praise for these etudes and was had played through them more than I realized. He did leave, he insisted on leaving Villalobos's um, fingerings. He didn't want to revise it at all because, well, if you've ever read his introduction, you, you'll read about why. What confuses me is something I read and I, I've got to find it. It's got to be in one of my books. But I don't remember where I read it. But it was a viola, It was a, a letter to Ponce from Segovia. A, well, it was about uh, stuff Ponce was writing. But he brought up Villalobos' music. And he said, Villalobos has written such and such. I don't remember the words, and I'm I'm now afraid that I'm totally making something up in my memory that never happened. But I swear I read that Segovia totally trashed on Villalobos in this letter. I was like kind of shocked when I read it. I was like, "Whoa, this is like this is pretty uh, harsh." I remembered it being the etudes, but maybe it was the preludes. And anyway, he was he was praising Ponce for, for giving him something nice to play instead of Villalobos's crappy pieces. It could have been the preludes. It could have never happened. <laughs> I don't think it was the Brazilian suite. So, I don't know. If anyone knows about this letter, let me know, please. Um, otherwise, I'm going to look for it, because uh, I think that's interesting. And a little... Uh, well, he was a snarky dude. Segovia. He was a snarky dude. He did a lot to um, bring guitar to the forefront but is not my favorite player and <laughs> kind of find him amusing to, to listen to him and, and read about him what I've always struggled with Segovia is uh, his liberties that he took to revise uh, compositions you know with the supposed to be like making them a little more um, idiomatic to the guitar, but a lot of the time it's just like, I think he just didn't like this and decided to change it to this, right? And one of the pieces I've been playing over this break, kind of re reacquainting myself with, is the Sweet Castellana by Taroba. And that first movement, I've got two different versions, but no information on either one. So... In the middle section, there's kind of some weird chords where it goes into the, the it's a piece in minor, but it goes into a major key in the middle. And my edition is missing, well, I don't know if it's missing, it does not have accidentals written in that section, so you, on certain chords. And then I have a copy of one that my teacher gave me that does have accidentals written in where so it kind of goes in and out of the major and minor and they it you end up with two completely different sounding sections and now here's just my hypothesis i don't know what happened but i suspect the one that sounds kind of weird is Taroba's cuz he liked to do some weirder harmonies and i suspect the one that is a little more straightforward which is the one that has the accidentals written in would be Segovia's revisions. It seems very Segovia to me. It's also the version Segovia plays. 
And I actually like that one better. So going against what I just said, this is a case where I... I but hey, I really like Segovia's changes to a lot of the castles of Spain, too. Some of them, I should say. Not all of them. It's kind of a, a mix of either way. Anyway, um, Anavitovic plays it the other way. And when I played for her at a master class, I opted out of playing the first movement because <laughs> I played the Segovia version, or what I'm going to call the Segovia version, and I knew she played the other one, and I didn't want to get into it with her, so I played the second movement instead. <laughs> anyway. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I much enjoyed that email. I really, uh, I really appreciate you sending that in. Okay, it's that time I suggest pausing, getting yourself an iced tea, and get ready for some music. Today we are featuring, as far as I remember, the first ever 10-string guitar composition on this show, and I'm really looking forward to hearing this. So, this is... Oh, man, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, Thomas, your last name, but... I'll do my best. This comes from Thomas Caterkamp, and he writes, Hello, Chris. Let me introduce myself. I am a guitar teacher from Moors in Germany who likes to compose. If I manage to make time for guitar, especially 10-string guitar. Time is scarce. I have a four-year-old daughter, and it's hard to find some spare time for composing, so I know how you feel about your puppy. Every month I enjoy your podcast, love your talk about live music and guitar. It is awesome how you support classical guitar composers all over the world by giving them a place to, for promoting their music. To hear the really fantastic compositions of fellow guitar composers is amazing. It would be great if you have a place for one of my compositions. It's a piece for 10-string guitar which uses an Arabic makam called shinaz, a scale. Makams are Arabic and Turkish scales with microtones. Which microtones are used depends on the regions where it originates from. The Arabic shinaz makam is one of the few who is playable in western tempered tuning. There are a few others, but most of the Mockhams aren't suited for tempered tuning. The composition is called Shanaz Fantasy. By the way, I must admit I'm not a big fan of horror movies, but I watched some of the 80s classics in my youth. Greetings, Thomas Cotterkamp. Thank you, Thomas. I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with the concept of microtunings, and I mean, I love some of the stuff I've heard with quarter tones. I'm really curious about this. I'm looking forward to this. So with that, this is The Shinaz Fantasy by Thomas Cotterkamp.
We've just heard the Shenaz Fantasy for 10-string guitar by Thomas Cotterkamp. Thank you, Thomas. Very cool. All right, that's going to wrap up this show and this year. Uh, we'll see. I don't have any new music in the pipeline at this time, so uh, we might do a show in January. We'll see if anything comes in or, you know, if I we might uh, reach into the vault if not, I'll, I'll have something soon, you know, I'm February at the latest. So <clears throat> if nothing comes in, we'll, uh, we'll do a vault show. We'll refeature some stuff. And I don't know if you'll notice, but something I'm really excited about is the podcast host I use has increased my upload limit very kindly, which means higher quality audio shows now. I can certainly tell the difference. And one thing is if I have a guest on now and we have a longer discussion, I don't, I won't be needing to put it up in two parts anymore. I mean, maybe that doesn't bother you have on the listening end, but I hate having to do that, so hey, I'm excited. So this is probably uh, going to be the first, or this is the first show that should have a higher quality format, because I can export this in a much higher quality than before, so isn't that wonderful? Alright, thanks for joining me, I hope you all have a great, happy, and safe New Year's. I'm going to endure the holiday itself, but I'm going to have a good attitude this year and not be a party pooper and just deal with being tired. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> all right. I'll see y'all next time. Keep on plucking.